0: Do you want to play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you want to eat some brains as your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some father beans and the nice Chianti. Come play with us forever cause down ever, here we all float. I never drink wine so you're gonna need a bigger boat movie made since oscar wilde was writing letters headcanon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better so put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning. It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a can. 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 Head cannon. Welcome to Head Tonight we have a very special guest, a first time guest on the show. A gentleman I'm very happy to talk to. I'm excited to talk to again. I haven't talked to you in years. I know you from. Um, we worked at Citizens Action Coalition together in Indiana, where we were fighting the good fight, trying to help the people of Indiana against the evil utility companies. And you're a you're a, a DJ of some renown, right? I I'm I'm not I don't really follow closely with EDM music, but I always enjoyed watching going to see your shows when you and Lisa would play. And so, but DJ Adam J, you're would you say you're you're globally famous? What well, how would you describe it? <laughs> uh previously globally um
1: known i guess i don't know <laughs> like if i've i my life has evolved a bit since then so mm-hmm. uh, but yeah like
2: for uh you know since i was 16 i was a dj i'm 42 now and um yeah I've been producing music since i was probably like 18 so um yeah, mostly a producer, and then, you know, as electronic music producers go, you kind of got to DJ your stuff to get it out there. So I've been doing that for a couple decades, and um, now I uh, I play with my synthesizers in a dark room by myself where no one can hear me, and uh, collect Hot Wheels, and uh, drive my car as fast as I can,
3: <laughs> legally. Legally. How many Hot Wheels do you have?
2: Um, so I, I collect primarily uh, Subarus because I'm a Subaru fanatic and I drive a WRX. Uh, and, well, my wife is, also drives a Subaru. We are a two-Subaru household. We are so
1: uppity. <laughs> um, and then uh, lately what I've been really
2: getting into are uh, Porsche 911s. So
1: Nice. Yeah,
2: and and that was a good one to bite off because I kind of finished my Subaru Hot Wheels collection. Like I've got all except maybe two of them, and those are just so expensive that I'll never find them. Uh, so I was like, oh, you know, I like the look of this car. I'll check it out, and uh, turns out there's like 500 Porsche 911s. So I'm gonna be busy for a while.
0: <laughs> so, and nice. those are all those are all like the Hot Wheels brand you say you're collecting. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: Hot Wheels. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. <laughs> how do you feel
3: about their rival
2: matchbox they so mattel owns matchbox they are not a rival so oh um shit yeah yeah it's like if kfc and taco bell were a rival well pepsi and both right so yeah. um yeah i actually know a lot about the history of matchbox and hot wheels and i mean that's probably something for another uh, podcast <laughs> but there's some really good youtube videos on there about how basically Hot Wheels kind of took them over to the point where uh, they were able to buy them. So.
0: Really? That's fascinating. So it's kind of like, a, a, I don't know, fake competition, right? Just like the, 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 the impression of competition.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, one thing that they've done and, and this is their trial and error over the years is they've, they figured out like how to kind of situate Hot Wheels in the market differently from Matchbox. Like, Hot Wheels has a lot of more crazy liveries when they do actual production cars, and they they do the more kind of like fantasy based cars. Whereas Matchbox is is all based on replicas now. Okay. And yeah, so you can get like a Cadillac CTS Matchbox or a you know like a Lexus or something like that. Whereas mm-hmm. you know the uh, the name of the the big
0: Hot Wheels you see right now are like Bone Shaker, and yeah. Stuff like that. So, <laughs> yeah. Or I feel like any yeah. movie, any movie that comes out, you see like, uh, you know, like the Black Panther, like Panther Mobile, and it's like a car shaped like a panther. Totally, or yeah.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. And they've totally like they've they've gotten with Disney and Marvel
3: and all those those guys. They didn't know, when know how to make money. Their car was amazing.
0: When <laughs> what came out?
3: When Boogie Nights came out.
0: Dirt It was just a so d- the <laughs> coolest.
3: The coolest one I've seen lately
2: is there's a, there's a Back to the Future premium series, and the premiums one, the premium ones all have like they're full metal on the top, on the bottom, and they have rubber wheels. They actually don't go very fast, but they're they're premium. You know, they're not cheap plastic. Mm-hmm. And um, the the latest round is a Back to the Future series, and so they have. You know, of course, the DeLorean, they've got Marty's big four by four Mm -hmm. and like his girlfriend, you know, he drove his girlfriend around and everything. But there's a third car and you got to think like, what's the most,
0: what's the car you remember from Yeah, back
2: to the future besides
0: those two cars? I'm trying to think, is it the one Biff is driving when he runs into the manure truck? That's the one and it's covered in shit. Yeah. Also,
1: (laughs) there's. There's a Hot Wheels
0: with yes, a huge load of manure on top. It's awesome. <laughs> dude, he hates it so much, man. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, and and my son my son is really into uh dinosaurs, right? Like he just over the past year or so, he devoured all the Jurassic Park movies. And what what he wants to do when he grows up is he wants to create dinosaurs. Like that's his goal right now. Yes. Is is to is to like recreate dinosaurs. But he got this he, did, he, he, did he not learn nothing from the movie? No, the message totally went over his head. No, he actually he's looking forward to the danger, right? He wants to recreate dinosaurs and then have to hunt them down. <laughs> it's but well, you've just made the perfect segue. Yeah. Oh, I did. The star of Jurassic Park, <laughs> right? Sam Neill was Sam Neill. Sam Neill, yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I want to, I, and I'll get. I, I'm going to throw that question to you in a, in a minute, Adam, but. He does. He's so he's got all these action figures from Jurassic Park, right? And yeah. one of them is is Dr. Ellie Sadler from the first movie. Uh, and there's that scene where she digs into the Triceratops shit, and it's it an, it's, a an shit. it's an action figure of Laura Dern, but her whole one of her arms is just brown because it's just covered <laughs> it's just covered in dinosaur shit.
2: <laughs> oh. That's
0: awesome. <laughs> See, I would love an action figure of Lauren Dern from her her scene in I think it
1: was Big Little Lies, where she says, "I will not not be rich." It's like oh, her best line ever. My I haven't, seen,
2: I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: well,
0: funny. well, Adam, do you in 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 uh, you know honor of that segue, do you want to tell us? What were the movie we're talking about and kind of why you chose this movie? What a a brief, a general (laughs) high level overview of what this movie means to you?
2: Oh, man. Okay. So we're doing the event horizon. Mm -hmm. Um, Or actually, it's not the event horizon. I always want to call it the event horizon. It's just event horizon. Event horizon. Yeah. Event horizon. Yeah. Which if you look at the, the VHS jacket. It reads, Infinite Space, Infinite Terror. (laughs) And I mean, that's actually bigger than the title of that horizon. Those four words pretty much kind of sum it up from 1997, an hour and a half. And I mean, it means a lot to me because, well, you know, when you asked me if there was any horror movies I was into, not like a big horror movie buff. Mm. Um, This is kind of space horror, sci-fi, thriller. Um, I think it definitely fits in the horror genre.
0: Yeah, <laughs>
2: it it does remind me a little bit. Once I started to dig back into it, remember it of another good horror film. Which you know, if you guys would want to talk about
0: that another time, but um, in the Mouth of Madness, another Sam Neill film. Yes, I was going to uh, bring that up. Yeah, I
2: love, and, and I want to talk about that a little yeah. bit here. But
0: well, but yeah.
2: the the reason.
1: Oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was, just, oh, no, I, I was saying sure. I I was just <laughs> going to say I I i love lovecraft i love lovecraftian horror i i think it's rare that you get a good lovecraftian horror film and i think both event horizon and in the mouth of madness whether intentional or not slot nicely into that kind of lovecraftian horror genre you know
2: you know event horizon was like the third in what i like to call the Sam Neill mid nineties masterclass trilogy. Mm -hmm. You had Jurassic park 93 in the mouth of madness, a John Carpenter directed, yeah, you know, Lovecraftian film in 94 and then the event horizon in 97.
0: Yeah. Um, And that was
2: peak Sam Neill. Like Sam Neill was, and if you think
1: about the roles that he
2: had in each one of those films, like, he was up to his eyeballs and shit every single one. You know, like if it wasn't dinosaurs coming back to life, it was a portal to hell or it was, I better not read this book or I'm going to go insane. Yeah. You know, like, (laughs) so, so anyways, getting back to uh, why I chose this film, other than the fact that it's one of the few horror films that I could really talk about uh, in the mouth of madness being another one is the way that I found it. So, um, the story goes, this was, I was in high school. I think maybe, let's see, 97, I would have been maybe a sophomore in high school back then. Mm -hmm. Um, and so 16 years old, we mentioned how, you know, I was a DJ when I was 16 years old. That's when I started. Um, and that's all thanks to my sister who was a DJ at Earlham college. And she kind of got me into thinking about music in that context early on in my life. Um, there was, you know, I'm 16 years old. There's a big rave happening in Cleveland that a bunch of my friends are going to go to, but lame old me, I got to work at the photo lab at like eight in the morning the next day. Cause that was my 16 year old job. Uh, I worked in a photo lab, which totally dates me <laughs> the kids out
0: there yeah. who are in your twenties, don't know what a photo lab or maybe even thirties. I don't know. Yeah. Don't know what a photo lab was. Uh, it was a place where, we used chemicals and
1: paper and uh, time to create what you can do in a split <laughs> second with your phone. And, That's a great description.
2: And that was the only yeah. way to do it.
1: And so <laughs> uh, it was kind of wild. And yeah.
2: so I had to stay home. Couldn't go to this fun rave. Um, but one thing that I did have
1: going for me was i had a little bit of lsd that i
2: had planned to take with me to that party before i found out i couldn't go
1: Mm -hmm. and um living in my mom's house
2: i had a pretty good setup there with like she had a converted garage when when she bought this house like um there was a, a flower shop kind of Put into this converted garage, and then a, a, I think a barber shop at one time, and then so when we moved in, it was like this is all yours. It was like awesome. I'll put my turntables over there,
1: put my bed over there, put my TV there. It was almost like a little apartment, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Had a
2: separate interests. I mean, I had it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so, um, I'm like, I gotta stay home. I got this acid. Gotta be at work at like eight o'clock. You know, let's let's get a night started early. <laughs> so i was I mean, yeah like <laughs> looking back on it like that was pretty naive but um no, man, this I, sounds, for a teenager this sounds like yeah. a, the best the best thing in the world at the, you know no flaws in this plane yeah. yeah yeah and uh and yeah i mean i'm sure the pictures that i made the next day were, were just totally overexposed or underexposed i don't know uh, I was not seeing the world the same way, but um, I decided that night that to make the most of this, I was going to, um, let's see what's on HBO or Showtime, you know, my mom had cable. So let's see what's on there. And Event Horizon was not what I was looking forward to. Um, yeah. What I found was starting at seven o'clock, um, this other 1997 film. So maybe this was like around ninety-eight, because this stuff was already on HBO. Right, so I'm gonna yeah. say that this was probably ninety-eight. So I'm seventeen, I'm probably a junior at that point. Um and um Meet Wally Sparks, which is a Rodney, Rodney. Danger <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you know what? Let's Meet Wally Sparks. I remember a friend of mine telling me how hilarious it is. I mean it had it's got Julia Sweeney from SNL. It's got Burt Reynolds, Gilbert Gottfried, Tony Danza. (laughs) Sounds like a great ass trip, right? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm gonna have the time of my life. I'm just gonna be giggling straight for an hour and forty five minutes, and that's exactly what I did.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, Problem was that they don't just play one movie on HBO. Oh yeah. They um, they actually play another one
3: after, and then another (laughs) one after that. Yeah. And the, uh,
2: by the time I got
3: through. Yeah, and so by the time I got all the way through that movie and I was ripe for the plucking,
2: um, <laughs> I see, you know, coming up next on HBO, The Event Horizon. And um, I'm not thinking, okay, this is a sci fi horror film. I'm thinking, oh, I heard that was good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going to check that out. You know, and so I proceed to
1: watch the event horizon tripping on acid and, uh, not the, not the way I would recommend watching it Yeah, uh, no. ever.
2: I would, I would say the first time as a qualifier, but not really ever, you know? So, um, I remember there was a time when I tried to watch it again and I couldn't make it through because it brought back some just creepy memories. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean it was it was pure horror for me. So that's yeah. why I wanted to talk about it. You,
0: you, know? you know, I had a similar experience with, with What Dreams May Come. Oh my god. Wow. I, I like I was hanging out with, with some friends and, and 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 we decided to watch that movie and it was fine, but I remember that we got to this point where I'm, I I don't his family's died or whatever, but the camera just pans in on robin williams face and his whole family's died or whatever and he's just so sad and the camera just keeps getting closer and closer to his face and i was like stop i was like turn it off i was like i can't i can't fucking do this we got to yeah and so like to this day like i still really haven't just sat down and watched that movie all the way through you know because like in that moment i became convinced that there was like I don't know, some secrets of the universe or something within that movie that I would, like, I, would, I felt like I had watched that movie a million times before and it had yeah. revealed things to me, but then every time, like, I would always forget what the movie had revealed to me. and then that and you then, need to show him the money? Yeah, show me. The, <laughs> yeah, that I had to show sure. Cuba getting sure. Junior the money. And then I, I was just, like, in this endless cycle of, like, watching what dreams may come, you know? And the
2: colors in that film are so vivid and creatively used. Yeah. I mean, when I think of that film, the first thing that comes to mind is color. When I think of The Event Horizon, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, a dude's face that's all cut up, a dude that's on fire. Yeah. A crazy dark spaceship, lots of spiky things, (laughs) gravity, (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: somehow gravity that you can see in a weird way, so... Yeah, um, infinite space, infinite terror. Even though I didn't watch it on the DVD, and had I seen the or the VHS at the time, had I seen the
1: infinite space, infinite terror, I probably would have been like, okay, you know, maybe not today. Let's <laughs> let's find let's find you know the Graduate or another Dangerfield
2: or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but then we couldn't have this great conversation.
0: So. No. no, yeah. And this is, and I remember watching this movie a lot when I was younger. I think it was on HBO uh, uh, frequently when I was a kid. And it's a short run time. Like it, it gets in and gets out and does what it needs to do. But I did read that uh, they were up against, I guess, Titanic coming out. And yeah. Paramount wanted to get this movie out before <laughs> Titanic came out. So they kind of rushed it. It didn't really do great at the box office. But then I guess... VHS sales were good. So like, you know, after it came out on home video, the movie did pretty well and Paramount went back and they were like, Oh, we were kind of interested in doing a director's cut or cause I, I think the original, yeah. the original cut of this movie was like over two hours long. Um, oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Then I
2: mean, they fucked
1: up the reels or something for it.
0: That's yeah. Paramount went back right. and all the footage had been like lost or deleted, destroyed, whatever. So man, yeah. I would, I would love to see a director's cut of this movie where, Paul, what's his name, Paul W.S. Anderson, like, gets to really take his time and really craft this movie, because I don't think he's a great director, you know, he's done, outside of this, he's done Mortal Kombat, Resident Evil, Alien vs. Predator, he's not, like, an all-time great director, but this fucking movie, I've always loved this movie, and I I wish, I will never get a director's cut, but I would really love to see, like, what his original vision for this movie was, you know?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because we talk about "In the Mouth of Madness" and um, the sort of Lovecraftian examination of insanity mm-hmm. and, and hell and whatnot, and it's it's almost
0: like you know, it's a it's a loose like. Let's do in the mouth of madness, but make it spacey and sci-fi. Like that's the way it comes <laughs> off, and I'm sure it's because of the lost footage and the edit. Yeah, and the he need to, you know,
3: the shining in space. He pitched, yeah, like-
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. From what I read, it sounded like the original script was a lot more like tentacle monsters, and and maybe even more overtly Lovecraftian. But yeah, I, th- I think I read yeah. Brent that the Anderson wanted to do like a horror, or I'm sorry, a haunted house in space which i think is a great is a great approach to this you know you know
2: what in the mouth of madness is 10 minutes is it let me see here i've got i've got both of them up here on imdb i think it's actually
0: oh they're both the same runtime so that's an interesting really kind of
1: realization because i feel like
2: a lot gets crammed into in the mouth of madness yeah uh in terms of how you know how much depth and complexity there is
0: yeah um yeah, because Be interesting
2: I'm, to to watch them back to back.
0: Well, and I, I love that you said that because I've I've always thought of these not always, but but ever since I watched In the Mouth of Madness, I've thought of these as a double feature, right? Event Horizon totally. and In yeah. the Mouth of Madness, and um, well,
2: technically a trilogy because you have to include Jurassic Jurassic
0: Park. Yes, 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 yeah. <laughs> I, well, and even like and and I and speaking to that, there's one line. Who says it? Cooper or maybe it's Smitty, but he says. uh he says, "You think you can fuck with the laws of physics with no consequences?" And I'm like, "That's almost Jeff Goldblum's line from Jurassic Park, yeah. like, you know, your scientists were so concerned with whether or not they could." I mean, I do think Jurassic Park is a worthy uh inclusion in this, you know, in this in this grouping here. So.
2: Well, and then I also think like looking back at it, the event horizon taught me a lot about this this contact this sort of concept of of space and time being you know something that could be bent i remember when he Mm. when he explains it to the crew you know they're like you can't you know like time travel's impossible like you can't do that and it's like no we can't you're right and that that's a very you know gold blue moment for him to say you know that's impossible yeah um but he's like what i can do is i can just fold (laughs)
0: And we can coexist in both spots at once. Yeah. Little did they know
2: the other spot was going to be a dimension of hell.
0: Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, or and I read something there that either the other spot is hell. I think they're trying to go to Proxima Centauri is the uh, mm-hmm. is the goal. But I guess there are. I'm not big on. I, I love board games, but I never got into Warhammer 40k. I don't, I, but i guess there in that game uh the mythos behind that game is when you when you do subspace travel like that you go through a dimension where there are like demons and if 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 your ship isn't properly shielded you can become for lack of a better word possessed by these like interdimensional demons um and so yeah whether it's the end Go, like wherever they end up, Proxima Centauri, or if it's this like in between space where they pick up these this hell dimension. Um, but I guess yeah. there are a number of people, like Warhammer 40k fans, who view this movie as kind of a prequel to the Warhammer 40k universe.
1: Interesting, which,
2: which huh.
0: isn't something I'm familiar with, but but I've read that that's I'm not thing.
2: familiar with Warhammer 40k at all, so I'd, I'd like
0: to take a look at that. That's interesting, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. I like the uh the I, I like watching these
1: older movies when they're showing what's gonna what their predictions for the future are. Yeah. Like I think like oh, yeah. year two thousand nineteen it said I
3: think we would have like a farming system on the moon yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And then like right. they show like their their low earth orbit space station in twenty forty nine. I'm thinking, man, like I looked up pictures of like the International Space Station and that thing is boring as fuck. Like <laughs> yeah. I mean, why don't? Why isn't it more awesome? You know what I'm saying? If you look at the, the ISS pictures of it, man, it looks like the AC vents in the Nakatomi Tower. You yeah, know, like I, I, you picture, know like, I mean, like, not astronauts but like Bruce Willis, like just rummaging totally.
1: over there. Well, I mean, that's that's what you get when
2: you know NASA is a committee and
1: HR Giger is one person. So you know, <laughs> it can yeah. it can be functional or it can be beautiful. Like,
2: pick one. <laughs>
1: Yeah. So,
2: yeah, it's it's kind of wild. I was thinking about that uh when I was doing a rewatch like the uh the graphic user interface on the computers that they were using, you know. Yeah. was was not futuristic at all. It it reminded me exactly of software used in the time period that the movie
3: was shot. Yeah. And they still um, smoke cigarettes and look at pa- uh, paper <laughs>
0: yeah. Which, yeah, which which yeah. which is what he used to explain like interdimensional or or like wormhole travel where he puts a pencil and i i can't remember any specific examples but i know i've seen that in other movies where they fold a piece of they fold what's that yep an interstellar interstellar, they do it, and, interstellar and yes video i watched had another another yes. like hbo movie
3: or, or, or tv show yeah that showed it where, that.
0: they fold a piece of paper in half and just stick a pencil through it yeah 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 but i i I mean i gotta say like i love i grew up on sci-fi i love alien i love you know stuff like this i i i i I love this kind of fiction but lately i've been getting interested in i think there's even a term for it i can't think of it off the top but it's like hope punk or so i i not that it's not that but it's like because i th- i think for so long our for the last i don't know 100 150 years our view of the future has been either like bleak dystopian right like or it's getting off this planet and escaping and going to the stars uh, the stars and being like okay we fucked up earth but like we can go elsewhere and which i don't sure. know i don't think that's like a feasible reality i don't like i don't know I I don't. I think it's a pipe dream. I think it's a way to say, okay, we fucked up this planet, but maybe, and it's just, it's ignoring the problems we have here. So I've, I've become interested lately in sci-fi that's more hopeful for the future and it's not escaping to other planets. It's not like scary dystopia. It's what does it look like if we address the problems we have right now and actually fucking fix that shit? And, and like, what does the future look like? You know, that's not an example. The, the one I read, and this, again, this is, (laughs) this is kind of escape, escapism, I guess, but I recently read the long way to a small angry planet by Becky chambers. And it is like post not post earth, but it's like, you know, interstellar travel, but it's, it's just like a very hopeful, like happy, I don't know. And, and I, and I, I don't know. I've read criticisms recently about. Cause there's a, I don't know. I feel like there's a danger there of like, cause things like punk or whatever, there's a, a danger of like losing the edge to, cause, cause capitalism is like happy to sell you a, a sweatshirt with Che Guevara on it or like, it's happy to take any criticism yeah. and sell it back to you. Uh, totally. So, so I, I think there's a danger of like taking things that are a, a useful critique of what's going on and being like, oh, we've made it like shiny and happy and like cleaned it up to sell it back to you. But, but I, I do see value and I, I, I don't know, I do see a need of a genre of fiction that's like, what happens if we actually address the current problems and fix it? And like, what does a longer timeline for humanity look like? Cause I don't feel like we have that. Like, I feel like fiction now is either like escaping earth or a fucked up dystopian future. And at least, like, I feel like all of us, like, in the back of our minds, like, that's what our long-term projection for the planet looks like. <laughs> you know what I mean?
2: Have you watched the uh, the Apple TV series Extrapolations at all, where they kind of take on climate change? No. So, so the interesting thing about that is, and and in the I'm not going to spoil it, but but let's just say like none of what you just talked about in terms of hope <laughs> yeah. exists through 90% of the series. And then there's an the right. end of it at the end. Yeah. But what, what it does really good, I think is what's called a sh- extrapolation. So it, it extrapolates where we're going and it. And it, you know, every episodes like maybe, well, there's a couple pairs of episodes that deal with the same timeline, but it kind of goes from like 2030 to like 2045 to 2060. And
0: it just keeps going out. Yeah. And, and, and you start to see, like, oh man,
2: you know, like we we had a chance. We're we're living in the chance right now, you know, like yeah, we're we're living in the tail end of the chance
3: yeah. to stop those things from happening right now. Um, and the hope
2: just kind of becomes, it grows out of the final understanding that selfishness, um, in all its forms, be it capitalism be it hatred be it whatever um is always going to lead us to this conclusion so only once we kind of reject those things and and truly be um communal in decisions can we escape that and i think unfortunately it ends there i would love to see it kind of because there's other shows that i'm watching um I'm watching a show called uh, class of 09 on FX, which talks about AI being used in the criminal justice system to kind of help FBI agents solve crimes. And then it, then it kind of runs away and becomes not, not self-aware, but it, it starts to turn on people in, in problematic ways. But it, it makes me think like is, is the way that we get away from, um, this doom that's impending and it feels like we don't have the political will to avoid. Is it us giving away our will to make those decisions? Because clearly we've had the will to make the decisions and we keep making the wrong decisions. So is, is the way to do it to program something that makes the decisions for us? And then we blindly, you know, just abdicate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which is fucked up to think about, but, yeah.
2: But it, is well, that what it's going you know, to So I, I kind of look at that as, um, you know, the two scenarios you were talking about, leaving the earth um, or dealing with the problem, like, is that how we deal with the problem? You know, is that yeah. the only
0: way? Because we haven't found a way to deal with the problem here. You know? well, and and, and um, there's so many films that are made on that subject down to, uh, Pixar made a film called WALL-E about it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, uh, yeah, it, it, it's and it's so like it permeates. I mean, it's so, you know. And I wonder about previous civilizations. And sorry, let me organize my thoughts here. So, like, a lot of what you said reminded me of of one of the most important books I've ever read. And I, I've like this is the number one book I always recommend to people. It's Ishmael by Daniel Quinn. Have you read that? Um. So so basically, it just re explains it, recontextualizes human history as like. You know, humans lived tribally for 200,000 years, roughly. And then just in the last six to maybe 10,000 years, we started building civilization. And the thought behind that is we, we developed this, however it came about, we developed this form of totalitarian agriculture, which was not only being able to grow our own food, but like eliminating competitors from growing where our food grows or eating our food. And once we were... Uh, producing those sur- the surplus resources—that's the thing. Producing surplus resources, then you've got like division of labor, and you can settle down. You can stop being nomads, and that's when you really start building civilization. Just in the last like six to ten thousand years, right? Um, right. So, and I don't know if there's any way. I, like, I almost wonder if that building of civilization is inherently because the the surplus of resources seems to pool in the hands of a few who then control the 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 fates of the many right so I almost wonder if civilization yeah. isn't inherently uh flawed to some extent but but then uh but so then anyway that that leads me to wonder if I don't it always feels like every civilization I'm aware of like has these stories of the end times and we're living in the end times and these are the final like we're all gonna be alive for the the last whatever happens on earth whether it's the uh uh, you know, the Christian, uh, whatever, uh, you know, the I can't think of the word, um, you know, when Jesus and the, rapture. the rapture, thank you. But, but I feel like everyone's <laughs> always prepared for the end times. And I wonder if that's not just part of civilization because like America's only like 250 years old, you know, a little bit more. And then yeah. like we can look back and we can see like the Greek empire, the Roman empire, like we can look at all these empires. Some of them lasted hundreds, maybe even a thousand years. But in the grand yeah. scheme of things, they are all short. They none of them were very long lived. They all came that's to right. an end relatively soon. So I wonder if that hasn't conditioned us to like I just be just like, yeah, shit, like we're just prepared for things to become extinct. Whereas our ancestors, you know, six to ten thousand years ago, when you have a, a, a lineage that's like two hundred thousand years old and you can trace your people back to We've been on this planet for two hundred thousand years. We're not used you know, we don't have the concept of like civilizations like growing and ending within a couple, you know, a few hundred years. If that hasn't done something to our psyche, you know, where we're just like yeah. we just we just expect the end to be nigh, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. Well, the end is definitely
0: nigh, end of end horizon. <laughs> we, uh, approach the end and uh, bring in some end back with them. The end messes up their spaceship and uh, it starts messing with their heads and like influencing them and dripping into their worst fears and making them do wild stuff which sounds like in the mouth of madness. They're the same movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do yeah. This really is a perfect double triple feature with Jurassic Park, yeah. Yeah. But I what like except Oh please John Carpenter did the score and directed. Yeah. In the mouth of madness. I mean, they, you know, yeah. if there is anything that
2: could. So so I, I did a lot of research on the, the production of uh, <laughs> Event Horizon. I understood that they got to use the, one of the biggest lots that Paramount had because they just wrapped Eyes Wide Shut. So a lot of those huh. sets were not CGI. Like those ships were, were kind of built and that big hallway in the corridor between the two ships and everything um they they got to do a lot with that it seems like they got to do a lot of fun macro stuff but then they had to use like you know um parliament lights for i don't know like (laughs) use some pretty cheap small format props and uh things like that but yeah it's you know it, it it was definitely missing some elements that i thought john carpenter really glued his his film
0: together yeah. with oh yeah and that's interesting to think about like what would a john carpenter version of this script look like you know that could be that'd be really interesting and for and you you might be aware adam but uh, for any of our listeners who are not um we covered in the mouth of madness kind of as that we did a uh, it's part of john carpenter's apocalypse trilogy um So cool. So on this show, we covered The Thing, uh, what is it? Prince of Darkness, and then In the Mouth of Madness, which are all, you know, carpenters. Mm. He considers them part of his apocalypse trilogy. So. Um,
2: I saw a a great quote. Let me see if I can find it. Um, About um, sort of what each one of those films.
1: Or, or actually, I think it, it, it ties this film in as well. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, nice. Uh, I think I
3: have it right here. I got... Those, The movie Annihilation reminded me of Event Horizon. Oh, oh I,
0: yeah. I love Annihilation. Yeah, Annihilation <laughs> is one of my favorite like Lovecraftian... I love Annihilation, yeah.
2: Another great score. Um, actually... The, the thing that brought me to Annihilation wasn't the book or, or knowing anything about the production. I saw who did the score, and it's uh, Jeff Barrow, who is uh, one of the members of Portishead.
0: Oh, nice. Nice.
2: Did that score, and it's one of his earliest um, sort of uh, film scores, and he's done a few other things since. And he's like just such a brilliant synthesis and musician, and so. The same way that yeah, when I would see John Carpenter
0: has a film out, be like, well, you know, the music's gonna be good. <laughs> Listen, I didn't, I um, didn't know that guy. That's interesting. I love that movie. I, I didn't know that guy was was uh, part of Portishead. Li- Portishead is great. Yeah, yeah.
2: So, anyways, yeah, I, I can't find. Uh, is this the quote? Maybe this is it. Uh, it was a YouTube comment. Can't find it. It just had to do with the fact that like. um in the Mouth of Madness is about reality turning on the human race. Um, or no. It's about fiction turning on the human race.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Event Horizon is about reality turning on the
1: human race. And then it tied the thing in as well. Mm-hmm. And
3: uh, it was a lot more poetic than I'm trying to quote. But, <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Did you guys hear about about the that submarine? that takes passengers down to go see the Titanic?
0: I I, no. I I think I've heard of that being a thing, yeah.
3: Did you hear that it got stuck down there?
0: No. There's, like,
3: a huge, like, rescue mission going on right now.
0: They're still stuck down there right now? Yeah. This thing, I'm telling you, man, I, I tried to,
3: I, I was going to make a parallel when you mentioned Titanic earlier.
0: <laughs> and, dude,
3: there's, like, five people stuck at the bottom of the ocean, in the, they're they're caught up in Titanic, they think the wreckage. Wow. Man, that's, well, new fear is so unlocked. Man.
0: Yeah, right. Titanic
3: is still taking lives.
0: <laughs> that's the thing. What's yeah, the they'll they'll have to do a Titanic two and just do a movie about these people.
3: like <laughs> <laughs> how meta is that? It's, it's like the Russian doll of the sequels. They're in. <laughs> they're <laughs> so. Technically, they've not, Titanic has not claimed another five people.
0: But. Not yet. Not yet.
3: Well, you know, Titanic was
2: another 1997
0: film, just like this, yes. just like me, Wally, Sparks.
2: <laughs> and that's another one that I saw. High. I wasn't on acid. I, I got super stoned with a girl I went on a first date with. We went and, and down on the south side at the AMC of the like county line. Got super high in the car. Went and watched Titanic. And then we didn't know what to do. And then we never talked to each other again.
1: Cause we were too high and it made it all weird. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's an, an interesting tie in to kind of that kind of thing. in this movie is I took uh, you know, took some, some, some designer chemicals with my friends years ago, back when, before IMAX was used to make actual movies back when it was still a fledgling mm-hmm. technology, And I remember we went up to Indianapolis. So I I was living in Bloomington at the time to see at one of the museums up there. They had uh, an IMAX movie called Lewis and Carroll, or I'm sorry, Lewis and Clark, not Lewis Carroll. Fucking Lewis and Clark. Probably the state museum. Yeah. Yeah, it was Lewis and Clark go west, right? So I remember going in there, and we're sitting, and you're in this immersive like we're like traveling to the west with lewis yeah like lewis and clark and sacagawea and like it we're there you know we're like going to the west and then all of a sudden the movie ends and i just remember my friends getting up and be like come on man we got to like the movie's over we got to get up and I was, like, re-immersed, like, I had to actually function. And <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, no, I don't know how to walk or do anything, like, you know. And <laughs> it put you in the Matrix. But, it's yeah, awesome. so th- then we were just, like, wandering around Indianapolis, like, <laughs> at, I was in this terrible state, you know. I didn't even know how to function. It was like those poor kids who,
2: uh, who fell in love with Avatar yeah. 3D the first time. And then they came out, and they were, like, super depressed because... <laughs> that place oh, was awesome and this place sucks.
0: Yeah. You know? I
2: forgot about that. You're right. That was more than
1: just a couple kids. Yeah. It was
2: like a phenomenon, yeah. right? It was yeah. a phenomenon,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh, you're right. But speaking speaking of the Matrix, I'm glad
2: you brought the Matrix up because, well, number one, Lawrence Fishburne.
0: Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, and,
2: and Event Horizon, you know, he's the captain of a ship.
0: Yeah.
2: Same same as the Ebikenezer and mm-hmm. uh, the Matrix. And, and I remember noticing like a lot of similarities of the whole like crew vibe inside the ship, yeah. the yeah. the lighting design yeah. of, yeah. You know, it's like, cause well, in, in the matrix it's, it's not so much like, well, like we didn't imagine the future very well. It was more like, you know, we've, this is what we've kind of put together based on what little scraps we can work with down here in the trenches yeah and that just so happened to align visually with the lack of creativity used in event horizon yeah uh, for the interior of their ship you know
3: oh yeah. well, you know when he when um when um sam goes into the uh in, 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 into that little crawl space it's all nice and green in oh there, yeah isn't it? Just like
0: the, the, yeah the green cubes yeah, yeah.
3: The, the coloring is similar isn't it That's
0: yeah cool. yeah yeah when i like in this movie and the matrix and even like alien it kind of reminded me of you like you get that you get to meet the crew it's like this is this this guy yeah. he does this job this is this oh, yeah. guy he does you know and you it's
2: you... very aaron sorkin it's very
0: yeah like
2: the, the quickest way to exposition is to read a resume yeah you know?
0: yeah and
2: so <laughs> yeah it's it's like introducing a character on the
3: west wing
0: <laughs> hey, man yeah. yeah
3: that cooper guy is freaking awesome
0: Oh He's yeah so, yeah like, <laughs> Cooper's great.
3: I felt so bad for him like he like is on the spacewalk and he and he has to like use it he gets blown off the ship he uses oxygen yeah and yeah. he uses oxygen to get back only to then just get like pushed back into space <laughs> by a, by a, a future dark you know
0: Yeah but he but he ended up being one of the survivors maybe may, <laughs> depending on how you okay. want to interpret the end you know <laughs>
2: I'm going to bring it full circle. Do you know what other character in the films we talked about use their
0: own self propellant to get back to the ship? Oh, other than Wally. People... Like other movies. Oh, Wally. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wally did the same thing. Yeah. You're right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I'm going to, you know, when I edit this episode, I'm going to make a list of all these movies we're referencing and, and like recommend this as a, as a, as a, as an essential watch list, you know, <laughs>
2: Oh, Wally's my favorite Pixar film, or just animated film ever. Like it's the statements that are made about yeah. you know our habits as humanity and um, our values and everything. For like, what a bold statement to make in an animated film.
0: Yeah, know? not just an animated film, but like a Pixar. I mean, at the height of their, like at the height it's a of budget. Yeah, 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 for real. <laughs> I
2: mean, that, yeah. was, that was, what, let's see, 2008, too? Uh, wow. That, so that
3: can, film's 15 years old, already. Can you remind Christ. me of a part of the plot of that? Why was there only one Wally robot? Did they ever mention that? I always thought that was funny and also interesting that...
0: Oh, that's a good question. Was there only one on the whole of Earth, or did they each have their own, like, their own territory? I, it's, been, it's been so long since I've seen that movie, I don't know.
1: Right.
0: I don't know. Um...
2: I remember, like there were, so there were
0: prequel comics. Okay. Um, I'm trying to remember who made it. Like, boom, I think made
2: them. Um, and there, there was like a boss robot named Bully, Bully, Wally Bully. I'm sure. And and he was like, he would meet, he would mistreat, like he was a bully, so he would yeah. mistreat a lot of the other. Um, he like ran over the robots. wife. <laughs> Right, and basically, like, it just kind of hastened the demise of those robots on Earth, you know, so mm-hmm. Wally's just kind of, he's a he's a
1: survivor, so, yeah. you know, it, I think th- the fact that there was just one left just
2: showed you, like, how, that and the mounds of trash <laughs> just showed you how far
1: gone Earth had become.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of Lawrence Fishburne, I want to point out, he talks about, before this spaceship, before Lewis and Clark, he was on a ship called the Goliath, which is where his crew member, uh I forget his name. Lost one, right? Yeah, whoever it was, had like burned to death and he had to like, you know, let him burn to death. But the ship that he was on was the Goliath. And I gotta say that I think that's, you know, prefacing that Lawrence Fishburne was in Ant Man and the Wasp as the character Goliath, the superhero who grew oh. in size and stature.
2: I, I do notice there's like a lot of religious iconography in the event horizon. Yeah. Um the the shapes of like the uh the tunnels are very cathedral mm-hmm. and and Goliath being a biblical reference and everything, like um I don't think they tied it together very well. Yeah. You know, I think if that movie was being made today, um it would have got punched up and that stuff would be like awesome Easter eggs that, you know, were you know, better tied in to the, the plot, but yeah. yeah, it just kind of sits there now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Someone on YouTube pointed out, like the door. There's there's a couple doors that are coffin shaped. Mm. Yeah, kind of V up, and then that sort of like arch arching thing at the top. Well, that the guy who um, so if you remember when when Lawrence Fishburne's character kind of gets overtaken by uh, demonic, you know, sinister powers of the ship uh,
0: and the gravity, the gravity, what was it called? Like the gravity like drive gravity or whatever. Gravity drive, yeah. Um, and, and
2: he sees a premonition of that, or he sees uh, an image of that, you know, now dead and burned crewmate Mm -hmm. and he has he has one line he's like you let me burn while he was like just toasted um
0: that dude was on my bed while i was tripping acid (laughs) saying that he had jumped out of my tv oh no that's terrible terrible. (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: that's when i was really peeking
0: yeah it was that scene right there which
2: yeah, yeah good times on the south side of indianapolis yeah
0: like 1998 well well, one thing i love about this movie is is when one of the guys on the ship like they're watching the recording or listening to the recording he's like wait a minute go back that sounds like latin is he saying liberate me and then later he's like i made a mistake it's liberate me. save yourself from hell save yourself yeah from hell Yeah." which i think is great but also i'm like that that recording went through like everyone at nasa listened to that recording like I don't know, like these brilliant minds have listened to that recording and nobody spoke Latin before this random crew member on the Lewis and Clark.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's just like another version of JFK's I Am a Donut, you know? Right. It's like
1: yeah. that
2: should've got like that should've got a punch up or you know, once over by a few brilliant minds before uh right. before any big decisions were made.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Toward the end I like how it's just kind of dark and creepy the whole time, and you don't really start – the crew doesn't really start getting killed off until the very end. And then it's, it's just like a flurry yeah. of kills at the end. Um, but it's more just kind of that creepy, like foreboding atmosphere it creates for most of the movie. But then you do have Weir. He like he like dissects or vivisects. is that the word, where he like uh, – Jason Isaac's character, he like cuts him up and like flays him out on these hooks. In like 20 seconds. Yeah, like, it, it gets really disturbing toward the end, some of the imagery.
3: It does that little kid's legs.
0: Oh, oh man, yeah, gosh. yeah, yeah. Peters, her uh, her, her son, yeah, when she sees her son, and he's all fucked up. But then I do like at the end, for for as bleak of an ending as it is, because you do get, like, some of your characters, you know, Stark, Cooper, and even Justin are, like, maybe saved at the end, although that's that's somewhat <laughs> ambiguous. Yeah. Um, you do get like Miller kind of redeems himself because he obviously feels feels guilt for letting that his crew member burn to death on the Goliath, but then he he does get there's that moment of redemption where he saves Stark, you know, at the very as they're all uh, uh, at the end on the bridge when the the whole the window's been broken and everybody's getting sucked out of the window and he he saves Stark from dying. You know, he does get that moment of redemption of. Uh, of saving Stark. I mean, I could definitely see
2: them setting this up as like an alternate ending where, and it would be very like mid nineties horror at the time for this to be, you know, especially sort of like nightmare on Elm street. If this was just Miller's like dream mm-hmm. of like how he reconciles his guilt, you know, yeah. this whole, this, this
1: whole thing. And, and actually the
2: event horizon is still missing, yeah, you know, and it's just him imagining like, you know, where it could be in his own imagination. And yeah. through that exercise, he works out his own guilt from his uh, fallen crew member.
0: Yeah. This, yeah. Or he wakes up at the end and it's like, it's just him alone on Lewis and Clark. And, and Weir is still like, I'm still here with you, Miller. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. totally. Well, but well, there, well, there's, well, there's a lot of stuff that they, There's a lot of
2: stuff they could have done,
0: um, that I think I would have enjoyed a bit more. That's true. Yeah. As much as, as I love this movie, I do like, and I do, I've, I've watched this movie so many times and I will watch it again in the future, but I do wonder what, what it could have been, had it, had it not been so rushed, had it not, you know, had it just been a little more, had it, had it been allowed to be, it's the full version of itself, you know? Yeah, But, well, was there anything, did y'all want to talk about any more uh, specific points in the movie or, or anything before we kind of get into head and wrap up here?
3: I've got a piece uh, of tri- trivia.
0: Yeah. Please. That
3: like, that shot that like CGI, I guess maybe it was models or no, I think it must've been CGI shot of like the camera panning around their space station. Okay. It was like a third of the entire movie's budget was for 45 seconds of movie. What? Yeah.
0: That's wild.
3: That was when two two different sources had that. That was pretty crazy.
0: That's insane. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Damn. Well, what about you, Adam? You got anything before we dive into head cannons here?
3: <clears throat> More trivia.
2: Um, so apparently that, that gravity drive thing that they made caused a real fire that <laughs> destroyed part of the set. Really, um, and and so you know being under a time frame then you know they had to kind of use a different set, um, that quickly built while the old one was being repaired, um, and then so, you know, they used that for a day of filming. So
0: damn, that's not because they weren't like they were so under the gun. So everything was so rushed yeah. with this movie because they were trying to beat Titanic. I, I like I read the director usually they get like. I think it's like ten weeks per union laws to, to they they have ten yeah. weeks to put their their edit of the movie together. But but Paul W S Anderson agreed to like a six week. Everything was so condensed in the production of this movie that yeah, damn. From
2: green light to completion was ten months, which is
0: really crazy
2: when you think about everything that happens before you start filming. Yeah, ten
3: months.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's fucking yeah. This thing was rushed out. And it's still so goddamn good.
3: <laughs> you know what other movies similar is? The Abyss. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah. Man. An
3: alien, and then, like, you get to meet the crew again. Like Yeah. That.
0: I need to watch. You know, I watched The Abyss a lot as a kid. It was another one that was on HBO all the time, yeah. but I haven't yeah. watched it in years. That movie creeped me yeah. out. Yeah. That would be a fun one. Because I want my middle child. My oldest child, she's not she's not as into horror type stuff, and she's she's really busy with like friends and volleyball and everything right now. Anyway, um, but my middle child, she watched this one with me, and and like she she'll watch a lot of stuff with me, and she really enjoyed it. You know, she she thought it was cool. So, which I, I bet it's great when you're sober yeah. <laughs> at that age. Um,
2: so. Another little bit of uh, we talked about, you know, how how great a director's cut would be of this. There was an initial rough cut mm-hmm. that was submitted to the MPAA but it got an NC-17 rating. Really? And so I would I would love to see that to see, you know, what 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 it was and and did that enrich the story in any ways that, you know, we're we were hoping for in this conversation. Yeah. Uh, that'd be an interesting thing to find.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I I read there was a lot of like background on some of the characters and um you know some of the stuff like there was a lot of gore I think taken out but even that I think could have um if not enriched the story like lend to this to the to to the atmosphere of the movie and what it's doing, you know? Like yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a shame that that footage was lost and destroyed. I would love to see a director's cut of this movie. I really would. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And then there's a couple other, when we were talking about set design, there's a couple other little things that you, you notice if you look at it and you, you know, any film you've watched a bunch of times, you start to notice things that were there the whole time and you never noticed. But now that you've heard the dialogue about, like, for me, it's the Big Lebowski. I've seen the Big Lebowski so many freaking times that I'm starting to notice little, little things in the background. And, um, like I was thinking about it because I was just rewatching some like Snowpiercer episodes the other day <laughs> and uh it made me re- so there's there's this device that they use in the Snowpiercer series when they need to like use a uh, do a, like an intercom like PA announcement and they're actually <laughs> they're actually using a Native Instruments brand DJ controller oh. that is entirely MIDI and has no audio it's just it just controls a computer okay and and they have it upside down, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was funny. just like we need something that looks like a PA to get on there. And so the, the thing that I noticed in the event horizon when I got rewatched was um, there's part of the antenna array mm-hmm. that has a model of the X, of an X-wing, a complete X-wing from from Star Wars. Like if you look at it um during like the first flyby with the lewis and clark really and, like pause it and you're watching it at a high resolution like there's a star wars toy in there <laughs> that's, hilarious. that's hilarious so
0: yeah I'm, i'll have song. to look that up that's really funny
2: <laughs> yeah it's like it's like water bottles in the game of thrones
0: you know right you know, oh yeah 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 yes. love those things. yeah <laughs> awesome well Wait,
3: what, what, what about water bottles in the game of thrones <laughs> Well, so there's water bottles there's Starbucks in the last season. I saw of the Star Wars Game of things. Thrones. Okay. Yeah, there's water bottles too. Yeah, okay. it's, it's the same. Yeah, those same scenes. Yeah, um, I wasn't sure if find, they did the, like, like the midi thing, but like, like Jon
0: Snow's like handle for his sword is like a Dasani <laughs> bottle. It, it's a something. Gatorade <laughs> bottle. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. Someone
1: just painted that brown. Yeah. yeah no. I mean, I got to go
2: back and rewatch now. It probably is out there. Those, like those children... Easter
0: eggs are
3: just waiting for us to find. Yeah. When children build a robot
0: costume out of cardboard boxes, like. Totally. In our next episode, we're talking about the 1993 movie Leprechaun. So be sure to check that out. And as always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod on twitter at horror movie pod and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod awesome well do either of you have a headcanon you want to put forth or i can go first doesn't matter to me
2: uh sure so like i think and if i understand headcanon it's sort of like where we wish it would go or
0: yeah 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 any any point in the movie that diverges from what what was seen in the actual movie yeah Gotcha, gotcha. So I think
1: you know, other than a John Carpenter score, <laughs> uh, I I think
2: like some shots on Earth at the time would have been would have been great. Yeah, you know, especially with like families of those in the mission. Um, you know, they it seems so natural in films we watch now. Like, um, uh, of course, Interstellar. You know, they show Earth because it's all it's all about what's happening on Earth. But also, mm-hmm. I think like the shots they showed in that uh, sam rockwell film moon okay of like the family back on earth you know like just kind of getting a glimpse into how it may or may not be affecting them there because i remember they talked about when the event horizon went missing you know it was seen as the biggest space disaster ever of all time, yeah now, but was that it? Was that internal? Was that only to NASA? Was it? Yeah. Was, you know, was was that disaster widely known? How did it affect NASA back on the ground, and how did it affect you know people in their everyday lives or yeah. the families of those people? Um, like, what were they told? I think that would have, and maybe that's on the the cutting room floor. Maybe that's. <laughs> Maybe there was a titty hanging out, and that's why that was in C seventeen, and they had to cut it.
0: Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yeah. Because I've seen other movies. I I what what springs to mind uh, uh, immediately is the <laughs> oddly enough the Thor movies, which Sam Neil was also in the Thor in Thor Ragnarok, and he played. Uh, yeah. There's a, there's a stage production of the life of Thor and Sam Neill plays oh, yeah. Anthony Hopkins character. Like he plays Odin in the stage play of whatever. Um, Matt, but Damon it, Loki. Matt Damon <laughs> plays Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a fun little bit, but I remember, especially in the first two movies, they're these gods doing things and they're like, and I, and I went, I was like, well, how's that affect the people of Asgard? Like, I, I don't know, like you, yeah. you lose like there, you know, they're these high level decisions being made, but how does that affect like everyday people in their lives, you know? And yeah, I mean, context makes all stories more rich and yeah. more relatable. Yeah, you know, if
2: you give me, I can't, I can't relate to, you know, it. it no matter how many drugs I may be on, I cannot relate to you know a spaceship outside of neptune yeah um you know with a guy who totally is into the fact that like this thing is coexisting in hell (laughs) and everyone else is like we gotta go
0: you know like get
2: get in the ship we're leaving yeah you know
0: yeah Yeah. it's hard (laughs) to relate to so context about yeah what's going on back at home and how how this because
2: you know that's that's NASA's whole thing is like you know these these discoveries you know they they affect us at home one way or another you know that's that's why we put so much government or well we did
0: yeah i guess <laughs>
2: <laughs> we don't anymore we just pay elon for it
0: but yeah um you know a lot of that science really helped us out here at home so
2: that would have i think made the the story a, a bit more rich and
3: would have helped the film
0: yeah i agree for sure yeah. Brent, do you have a head cannon or you want me to go ahead and go?
3: Um, what do you want to do?
0: I don't care. I'll go. That's fine. Uh go. my head cannon is that um when when Adam was on LSD that one time when when he was very young working at a photography studio or whatever it was, he yeah. actually became, There's a
2: 1-hour photo lab. A 1-hour photo. Hour photo lab. Yeah,
0: 1-hour photo lab. He actually became the gateway to hell. And all of the pictures that he produced during that time, like people got their photos back, and they were like these horrible photos of like, you know, mutilated orgies in hell. And they got these pictures back yeah. from from the other dimension, you know, via like via that's how it stills over. Yeah, via Adam, who was the gateway. So <laughs>
3: <laughs> I like to think that one guy did have like a blood orgy, and he got his photos and was like, yeah, these this is
0: this is real. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yeah, it seems totally normal. Just need to turn the
2: flash down next time. For the most part. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, there's so many jokes I can make right now because we had a AAA discount at that place too, you know. <laughs> so we'd be scared, show someone the blood orgy
1: photos and be like, uh, "Can I have your AAA card? <laughs> Get you five dollars off development."
3: <laughs> I go to Adam for all of my blood orgy photos. <laughs> oh Lord! <laughs> he even
2: did my kids' christening.
0: Yeah. Which oh, apparently
2: yeah, he gets the skin tones just right
0: <laughs> in the blood orgies. I guess a, a lot of that was cut, and I guess they hired actual pornographic actors to to make that scene a little more uh, a little more graphic, a little more real. So. Did you guys I, because?
3: laptop technology, I was able to, like, pause and, like, play to see exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the, in the, I didn't even realize it was an orgy <laughs> until later. I just thought people
0: were, like, getting fucked up by knives <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, like, pausing it in the middle of your math class, like, oh, shit. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I wasn't home. <laughs> i would have totally more
2: like this. on my on my ipad on the toilet
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh wait did you have did you have juneteenth off brent or it's it's summer for you now are you off for the summer no god damn it i'm not actually okay. like summer vacation is happening ar- around me
3: all the time but i still have to go to work it sucks i got oh. that fear of missing out
0: shit so A- adam brent brent That's teaches great. brent teaches math to adults for like adult level high school so
3: nice awesome yeah Yeah. So all my kids and my, my wife actually went to a funeral this past weekend. I've just been single parenting it up. It was her uncle. Um, but, uh, we, we share each other's, um, 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 location on our iPhones, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is interesting to you or not at all, but like I watched her like take off, like her blue dot took off. It was kind of cool <laughs> in a plane on our way to Texas. Interesting. I, like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's like neat technology. Take that early nineties. <laughs> it's <laughs> like me. all of a sudden the blue dot is going way faster than you've ever <laughs> seen it go. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Been, like, three miles an hour.
3: Since we all we all used to live in Indy from the Indy Airport, you will stop losing communication with that blue dot at Over Speedway. Yeah. Okay. Take that information however you want. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> Can
3: I give you well, my headcanon? Yes.
0: Yeah. What's your headcanon?
3: Okay. I'm kind of blending two movies here that I think that um, Biff Tannen and and, Fish, and Lawrence Fishburne's Engulfed Lost Crewmate switch places. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The crew member- oh, yeah. The crew member appears covered in interdimensional space manure, <laughs> and Tannen, and then in the movie, in the, in the Back to the Future movie, Tannen is engulfed in flames after he hits the car, the the, the the trailer, and then there's a shot where they zoom in on Biff Tannen, and he turns to Marty McFly and says, "You let me burn, McFly."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just picture him like, "You let me burn." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well and then instead of uh because in in back to the future uh doc brown says where we're going we don't need roads so then you have sam neill and he's like where we're going we don't need eyes plucks his eyes out <laughs> oh. he just pulls them out <laughs> yeah that, they should have shown that just, the, yeah, they yeah they they did head. from afar it was yeah yeah, yeah. it was a yeah. And,
2: and it makes me wonder if, like, those were the things that the MPAA was like, no, this is, it's 1997, like, you know, we live <laughs> in a society, we can't watch and pull the eyes out.
0: Right. You can show
1: the second after. But, yeah. You know, like, I, I,
2: I want to be a fly on the wall for those decisions, you know, like, I'm always looking for, like, fun, you know, bits of, like, uh, DVD extras that have, you know, retellings of those things, because... To me, like that's that's just as rich as the whole film itself, you know. Knowing that stuff,
0: yeah. yeah. No, know, knowing that Sam Neill was like, <laughs> like plucked his right. eyeballs out, like,
2: <laughs> and it was just corn <laughs> syrup, and he was like, Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like lady and just in the... grapes
3: and like corn syrup,
0: yeah, <laughs> lady in the right. Tramp on the like the, the ocular nerve. <laughs>
3: One of the boxes was like "licks ocular nerve." And he checks it, and NC17 in there. <laughs> like, right? They're like, "Look, you can lick the ocular nerve,
2: or you, but if he does that, you got to get rid of three f bombs, right? <laughs> or you can have the three f bombs, but he he can't lick the ocular nerve."
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I bet it's up to you guys.
0: Yeah, yeah. However, you want to play it. <laughs> do you know
3: jeremy renner's eye popped out when that fucking snowmobile went over him yeah
0: and really
3: tying it into the avengers baby
0: i knew he was fucked up i didn't know his eye fucking popped out that's wild you you gotta watch that interview
3: with him man. it's he he endured some shit it's hard to listen to
0: i knew it was bad that's rough though shit all right well i want to let y'all get going uh adam thank you thank you for joining us it's been a pleasure uh for if if you're ever in Chicago and you want to see some good improv comedy let me know we'll go we'll go see some improv we we'll get a drink um it's it's good talking to you it's been year it's been too long i you know i knew you were um when we were working at CAC together i forget exactly where you were working but you kind of introduced me to uh you, you were doing like fermented foods and I think kimchi and kombucha. Like, I, I first tried. Yeah, and
2: we like sponsored some Brozone shows.
0: You did, shows, yeah. Remember that? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sponsored some Defiance comedy shows and shit. And, um, yeah.
2: it's I just, still have a Brozone shirt.
0: My, yeah, I uh, do too. Oh, yeah, closet. for sure. <laughs> but uh, it's always been a pleasure to know you. I mean, and I think more than like most people I know, I feel like you've always been like. Uh, your goal has been to be the best version of yourself and, and just be a good person. And, and I've always admired that about appreciate you. Appreciate that. Yeah. And so good talking to you again, for sure. Appreciate
2: that. Yeah, man. You've always made me laugh harder than anyone. So I <laughs> appreciate that from you. And good to meet you,
0: Brent.
1: That was a really nice good time. To you, too, Adam.
0: Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you. All right, I'll Th- see you guys. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, everyone, at home for listening. This has been Head Cannon. <laughs> <laughs>